Welcome. You're listening to Gravity Healthcare Hacks with your host, Melissa Brown, Chief Operating Officer from Gravity Healthcare Consulting and self-professed healthcare nerd. Monthly, we will provide industry expertise and tips to help keep your feet firmly on the ground in the world of healthcare. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast, Therapy Realities Under PDPM. Today, our guest is Autumn Wade. She's a therapy operational consultant for Gravity Healthcare Consulting. Autumn is also an occupational therapist by trade and is a seasoned therapy executive who also served as director of outpatient and long-term care services with Flagship Rehab and was also previously a regional manager for multiple contract rehab companies. Autumn, welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much, Melissa, for the very nice introduction. Um, I am very honored to be a part of your podcast today. Oh, you're too kind. Well, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about you and your experience in SNFs and Outpatient. Okay. Well, um, my career path started out. Um, I went to school and obtained my CODA degree um, and started working in a skilled nursing facility. Uh, worked my way up to a site manager and then decided to go back to school um, to get my bachelor's degree in occupational therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, I then chose to just take a little bit of a break from the skilled nursing side and, you know, work a little bit in our um, sister company in the outpatient uh, arena. So, you know, I really think that that really helped to strengthen me clinically. Um, But my passion has always been in the skilled nursing side. So um, once I obtained my degree in occupational therapy, I came back to the skilled nursing um, facility world um, and then began my career in administration. Yeah, there's something about skilled nursing that definitely grabs your attention and pulls you in. Yeah, it does. Yes. So obviously, this is no secret here. PDPM has been a monumental shift for therapy, compounded even further by COVID that came just six months after we transitioned. Tell us what you found to be the biggest challenge in the transition to PDPM. Yeah, it's definitely been a year. And we were all really prepared for the, well, I, as prepared as we could be for, you know, the transition to PDPM. And then COVID just put a whole new, you know, light onto everything. Um, You know, I think what was the most challenging uh, besides COVID was just the um, accountability of the therapist. I mean, we've really transitioned into a model of uh, outcome-based, obviously, which, you know, is, is definitely very beneficial, but it's really pushed our therapists to um, need to practice at the oper- at the top of their license. You know, they really need to be the best every day. You know, they need to be providing um, quality functional treatments every day, um, you know, to make sure that they're addressing everything that needs to be addressed in the shorter, of length, shorter length of stay. So, you know, I think that that has definitely been a challenge, especially with um, staffing during COVID, especially, you know, you have therapists maybe coming in to help, or maybe therapists helping with telehealth that really don't understand the outcome-based model, Um, you know, where they're just satisfying the need of completing section GG and and not really understanding the volume of, you know, how much it affects. So I would say that to me, that's been the biggest challenge um, so far besides, again, COVID. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I agree. COVID is really interesting. I was just talking with some rehab clients today about their staffing challenges and shortages during COVID. And, you know, we're seeing this sort of mass resignation across all industries and healthcare and especially therapy are no different from everyone else. We're seeing a lot of people that are just 
ready for a change. They just right. need a breath of fresh air and new opportunity mm-hmm. after COVID. And unfortunately, because so many of the COVID challenges were the strongest in skilled nursing, we're really kind of seeing a mass exodus from there. So that's been a real challenge too. It's an interesting opportunity and challenge under PDPM because under PDPM, if our therapists can't do 60 minutes and they can only do 20 minutes, we're not going to get penalized financially for that. Right. But as a therapist in a short staffing situation, Mm -hmm. it's really challenging to only be able to see a skilled patient for 20 minutes a day and try to accomplish something meaningful with them. So it really has challenged therapists to operate far above and beyond what they once did. And I think in the end, it's cleaned up what we do. I think as therapists, we actually provide better therapy than we ever did before. So, so I kind of find that as a positive. And so thinking about the positive side, what have been some of the positives you have found for residents, the SNF provider, and for therapists with PDPM? I really feel like um, one of the most positive things that I've found from PDPM is obviously the name, the you know patient-driven payment model. It is, it is really forced people to take the extra time to focus on what the patient needs. I mean, obviously we did that under the, under the rugs, um, payment model. However, I do feel like the focus has shifted to where you absolutely have to sit down and make the time to look at each resident individually and ensure that they're getting everything from the entire interdisciplinary team, whether it be therapy, nursing, um, depression, things like that. You know, we're really looking at, at each individual patient and gearing their, their treatment towards what they need. Yeah. And while I think it's been a challenge for a lot of therapists, you know, gravity oversees therapists out in the, in the community, as you know, we tend to oversee um, smaller independent corporate entities and their own in-house programs, but we have found it's really been really challenging for therapists to figure out how to determine how many minutes a patient would benefit from without the structure that kind of forced us into prescripted minutes under, under rugs four. And so while it's been a challenge for them, Ultimately, I've been starting to see more and more therapists rise to the occasion and do exactly what you're saying, really have an individualized focus Mm -hmm. on patients and really, um, you know, make a better assessment than they ever did before of what minutes this patient really benefit from what's really necessary because it's a cost-based environment, a value-based environment. We don't want to over-deliver services either because Medicare doesn't like that, but we also want to appropriately achieve outcomes. So it's been an interesting opportunity for therapists to expand their practice. But I know as a, as a clinician, I would thoroughly enjoy this model versus rugs for because I have the freedom to respond and react to the realistic things that happen with a patient in a sniff when they're sick, or they're just not in the mood to do a lot of therapy that day. And there isn't the pressure that there once was to um, do all sorts of things to try to get on that minimum threshold that one day. So that's a positive, I think. What would you say you think has been the unexpected surprise about PDPM that you never saw coming that you realized after you had a few months of PDPM under your belt? I think the thing that has surprised me the most, and, and I, I, I knew it was always an issue before, but it, it has come to light more now. And I feel like th- there's definitely, we're correcting, correcting the error with it, but the lack of communication between the healthcare settings, hmm. I feel like that that has just increased dramatically with PDPM. Um, it's amazing how siloed we had become, you know, where our, our sniff therapists were, you know, in their world, they'd treat the patients, they were finished, go to home health, home health would finish. Um, then maybe they would go into outpatient, maybe they wouldn't. Um, but we never communicated, you know, and, and when you think about that, I mean, I'm, I'm, 
we would try, but there really wasn't that push to really make sure it happened. And I feel like with this new payment model, we've really, you know, the continuum of care is just of utmost importance, you know, making sure that we're giving the residents what they need in each individual healthcare setting to be able to keep them at home and not going back to the hospital. And then also to make sure they're successful at home, you know, that they're not falling and they're getting things that they need. So, you know, that to me has been, um, it was rather eye-opening, um, but how we've really met the challenge with it and, and really moved towards that communication, I feel like has been a big surprise to me. And I'm, I'm really happy about that. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, when you listen to John Kane, the uh, PDPM lead at CMS, he has talked before about sort of his impetus for getting involved and for changing the model and for designing it the way they designed it. And part of the reason was because his mother was in a skilled nursing and he would go and talk to the nurses or social work or the administration and say, hey, how's my mom doing? And they would all say, go talk to therapy. Mm-hmm. And it didn't seem from his perspective Uh, that there was really a focus on anything other than therapy. And unfortunately, the payment model really had pushed all of us as an industry in that direction. And I think it has really reinvigorated Mm -hmm. a global approach to addressing all the needs. I mean, social services, dietary, speech therapy, OTPT, everyone is so involved in all these different elements now because everybody knows it's tied to payment. So I think CMS pretty smartly redesigned the model and I, I hopefully it's having this positive change. You're seeing it, I'm seeing it in community after community. And I think that's going to continue as we move forward. Right. So let's shift gears, talk a little bit about outpatient. I know you have a lot of experience there. 2020 and 2021 have been us unprecedented for therapy at all levels as they have been really with every industry not the least of which for outpatient therapy. They were basically closed down for a long period of time. What have been some of the key strategies to success you've employed over the last few years to optimize the resident experience and outcomes in outpatient therapy, especially with COVID? Yes, Melissa, it's definitely been a challenge. Um, Outpatient was one of the first to be closed down. I mean, it was considered, you know, yes, it's needed, but it was one of the least, you know, the lesser of the acute um, needs. So it was was shut down almost immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, It is definitely, as we, as PDPM started, we were really having the focus on just marketing and making sure that people understood, as I talked about earlier, just to make the continuum of care and making sure that they know that outpatient is there and that they know that although they may not be receiving as much therapy in the SNF or um, in home health, that outpatient is there and is a service that is available for them. Some places are really good about um, making sure the patients are aware of what they, you know, what they can have. And then others are not, are not. So we had the challenge of making sure to market that, then COVID hit. And it was like, oh, well, now we're not available anymore. (laughs) So, um, you know, that was definitely something that it hit us pretty hard. Telehealth came in. So that was great. We were able to utilize that service that we were never able to utilize before. So then it was a whole new approach. Mm -hmm. Um, Marketing telehealth services, making sure that the um, patients felt comfortable with that mode of treatment. Um, It offered its own challenges. Um, not only on the patients, but on us, as far as just looking at internet speed, are the residents able to hear, you know, as we're talking to them, are they safe to provide the therapy? Um, So, you know, I feel like that was definitely a challenge that we had to get through. And then we come to this year where we start to say climb out of where we were, um, where we begin that marketing push again, you know, where we're, they, 
I mean, a year's gone by, you know, so we did all of that prior. Then we went to telehealth. Some people may be at the point where they're again thinking, I don't need to go to outpatient. You know, I, I made it through this year. So it's making sure that we're educating them that you do need this service. You know, it, it's important to get back out, but you're going to be safe when you come. We have security and safety measures in place with COVID protocols. Um, and then now we're at a point where we may be entering back into it a little bit. I mean, I, I, I hate to say that, but, you know, I am a little nervous about what I'm seeing with the new variants, you know, where we're going to be when all of this comes out. So it's just been a back and forth, I think, of, of making sure they know we're there, then accommodating the change, and then trying to just make sure they're continuing to utilize us in whatever platform is available. Yeah, you know, I personally am in PT right now myself, and I really have needed PT for over a year and chose not to initiate it because of my own personal concerns over the risk of COVID. And in my case, my need for PT uh, was, or the, the risk of getting COVID really outweighed my need for PT. I could delay it. But I think as we're looking at a lot of our, especially more elderly clients or more medically complex clients, they've been putting off therapy for a year. They are probably in dire straits of really needing it without having uh, to avoid negative outcomes like rehospitalization, falls, uh, loss of functioning, whatever. So I think it's a great opportunity for outpatient um, uh, groups to begin to market specifically to that, to encourage people not to put it off any longer, to let them know that their volumes are lower. They're not going to be in a crowded space. The particular gym that I goes to has an individual room for every patient. And so um, there's only maybe one or two patients out in the main gym space at any given time with lots of social distancing and masking and all of those things that, that you would look for. So I think that's a great opportunity for people to think about how they can market specifically around that. You also mentioned telehealth. Uh, how have you seen it been used in the last few years for both sniffs and outpatient for therapy? Well, I definitely, it was so beneficial during COVID. Um, you know, I mean, it really allowed us, it gave us uh, a platform to utilize that, um, you know, otherwise we would have just been completely unable to follow up with those patients and, and really see how they're doing. Um, in, you know, it was, it was challenging in the beginning and it continues to be challenging. Uh, you know, everybody's, I, I laugh about my mother with her smartphone, you know, she, she you know, trying to get her to understand that. So you know, there, it definitely offers its challenges. However, it has definitely just opened our world a little bit, I think more, um, you know, that we will have, hopefully be able to continue to have that option to utilize. Yeah, you know, we've heard CMS has extended the use of telehealth for therapy through at least the end of calendar year 2023. So we got at least a couple more years ahead of us. I'm curious to hear what you think. Do you think they should extend it further? Or was this just really a good idea during the pandemic? I definitely think it was a good idea during the pandemic, but I, I think that it needs to be just a permanent fixture. Um, I think, you know, one thing that I think we can all say that we have learned from COVID is to adapt and move out of our rigid norms. Mm -hmm. um, you know, whether it be operating out of an office or, you know, there's all different things when you look at any kind of, um, of job, but I think we need to be able to offer that flexibility to residents, you know, when it's always a challenge and outpatient when patients go on vacation, or maybe they don't have, um, you know, their, their ride isn't available. So I feel like it, it definitely serves its purpose and, and should be able to be continued. Obviously the best platform is in person. You know, we, we never want to lose that, but to be able to offer that in addition 
is definitely beneficial, um, you know, for, for the resident and making sure that they're staying safe and, and maintaining their, their abilities. Yeah. And I kind of love the idea as we look towards sort of a permanence with telehealth, which is what I think is going to happen. I love the idea of sort of hybrid models, particularly Mm -hmm. your typical outpatient client who's community-based and is going to go back to the community. Um, They don't live on a CCRC or life plan community type setting. And the idea of, I can see you once a week in person, and then I can see you once a week via telehealth and watch you do your exercises in your own environment, help you problem solve. How are you going to do that kind of a stretch on the bed or the sofa that you have? How do you need to position things? Are you doing it correctly? And I think you know, one of the hardest things we have about success in outpatient is the carryover with programming and the exercise recommendations and things like that once the outpatient therapy is done. So I love the idea of integrating that model and getting the patient used to doing it in their own environment, comfortable doing it in their own environment, making sure they're doing it correctly that way. So I think that's a real bonus that telehealth offers us. So one of the many reasons why I think, I, I hope that it will stay around. Uh, but I agree with you that ultimately the AAA best quality service and therapy is, has got to include uh, some level of in-person services whenever possible. So I think that'll always probably be part of the model as well. Autumn, any last comments you want to share with our listeners about where therapy is today and where you see it in the future? Yeah, I, I'm always very, I'm, being an occupational therapist, just very passionate about therapy and I see it remaining strong. Um, therapy, I feel always reaches a challenge of any change. You know, I, th- I think we're, we've probably been through more change than, than a lot in the healthcare industry. So, um, you know, I feel like we are meeting the challenges of the new payment model. Um, we are meeting the challenges of COVID. Um, and we're strong therapists are strong and, and we're very, we're big advocates for our patients, um, which is first and foremost, you know, the most important. Um, so I continue to see us being a very integral, strong part of, you know, the residence care. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us today, Autumn. I really appreciate your perspective from the front lines, as I'm sure our listeners do as well. Thank you very much, Melissa. If you would like to learn more about Gravity's Therapy Services or Flagship Rehab, please see the links in the podcast description or feel free to reach out to me directly. Thanks for joining us. And if you enjoyed today's content, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Remember, it's not just what you know, but how you apply it that makes all the difference. See you next time.